Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So this whole concept, my members, parts of my body, instruments for either unrighteousness unto sin or for righteousness unto God. See, our members or the parts of our body are called instruments. And Romans 16 tells us that we have a choice. Are we going to yield our, our members as instruments to unrighteousness unto sin, which is what Levi and Simeon did? Or we can yield our members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And to see this, it's, I, I can't help but think of instruments, you know, because my father was a surgeon in, in surgery. But I'm thinking of um, Dr. Peter Hansen, Pete Hansen, Dr. Pete Hansen. He was the chief of staff for several years at Grossmont Hospital. He is a great orthopedic surgeon, just a really nice guy when you see him, but I've never been there, but I've heard the stories about when he's in surgery, when he's in the surgical rooms there at, at Grossmont Hospital. If you don't have it right, you don't want to be there because he is a bulldog in surgery. He just doesn't tolerate anything wrong. So that means if you need a hip or a, or a knee, go to him. But this whole idea of a surgeon so fixated on his work and how he's reaching out his hand to the nurse as he calls out the instrument he needs. He reaches out his hand, he says, scalpel, scalpel. And into his hand, he receives scalpel to do his work. Scissors, and into his hand, he gets the scissors to do his work. You know, forceps, and into his hand come the forceps to do his work. You know, forceps, and so forth. Now, imagine God as the master surgeon and our members as instruments that God calls out for to do his work. You know, imagine we're shopping at a store and God wants to use us to bring the gospel to a lost person who's also shopping at the store. And all of a sudden we understand that God, the master surgeon, he needs our members of our body. So God, the master surgeon, calls out to us feet. And I need some feet to walk over there to this desperate lost sinner in the store with you now. And we respond and say, oh, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. You need some feet? You need some feet? Oh, I yield my feet to you now as instruments for you to use to do your work of walking over to that person, that person who's lost, that person who's desperate for salvation. Then the master surgeon calls out eyes. I need some eyes. To see that person as a lost person in desperate need of salvation. And we respond and we say, yes, Lord, you need some eyes? Oh, okay, I yield my eyes to you. Instruments for you to use to do your work of seeing that person, not as somebody shopping, but seeing that person as a lost person, desperate need of salvation. The master surgeon 
God, the master surgeon, then calls out, heart, I need a heart to feel what that person in the store feels, the feeling of being lost and desperate and alone, alien from God. We respond, say, heart, you need a heart, Lord? Okay, I yield my heart to you now as an instrument for you to do your work of feeling that person's depth of feeling of being separated from God. And then God, the master surgeon, he calls out and he says, head, I need a head. I need a head to think. I need a head to receive the words that I'm going to give you to start a conversation that will eventually lead to bringing them the gospel. We respond, say, yes, Lord, you need a head to receive your words. You would say, now, here's my head. I yield it to you. Instrument, do your work, receive your words, what you want me to say to the person in the store. And the master surgeon calls out, says, mouth, I need a mouth to speak the words that I put into the head to that sinner in the store right now. We respond, say, yes, Lord, you need a mouth. Okay, here's my mouth. I yield my mouth to you now as an instrument to, for you to use to do your work of bringing the gospel to this lost person. See, that's what it means for us in Romans 6.13, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Our members are our eyes and our heart and our head and our mouth and our hands that we are used to, told to yield to God as instruments. Now, Jacob said about Genesis 34 here, he said in Genesis 49, what he said about them is that Levi and Simeon did not yield themselves as instruments of righteousness unto God, but they yield themselves as instruments to Hamas, instruments of Hamas, instruments of violence. So what did that look like for Levi and Simeon? Well, the difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and Satan was described in John 10.10, when the Lord described it. He said about Satan, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So on the one hand, Satan steals, kills, and destroys. Whereas the Lord Jesus Christ gives, makes alive, and builds. So how did this work for Levi and Simeon? It worked for Levi and Simeon in Romans 6.13 when it says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. So here's how that worked for Levi and Simeon in this chapter. Satan, the master destroyer, called out to Levi and Simeon, eyes, I need some eyes to see all those Shechemites that are with you. They're the ones that raped your sister. All of them raped your sister, Dinah. I need you to see that. And Levi and Simeon responded to the temptation and said, yes, We healed our eyes now as instruments for you to use to do your work of stealing, destroying, and killing as we now see. Oh, yeah, they they should die, all of them. They all defiled our sister. And then Satan, the master destroyer, called out to Levi and Simeon, and he said, ears, I need some ears to hear what they're saying, to find that best opportunity to steal, kill, and destroy from the Shechemites. Levi and Simeon responded and said, yes, We yield our ears to you now as instruments for you to use for your work of stealing and and killing and destroying the Shechemites. As we now hear, the leaders of the Shechemites, they really want us to give Dinah, our sister, to Shechem for wife. That's a good, that's the best opportunity 
that we've heard for us to be able to steal, kill, and destroy the Shechemites. And then Satan, the master destroyer, called out to Levi and Simeon, and he said, head, I need heads to think through this, what they said, to devise the idea, take the desire to have Dinah, use the circumcision, bring them together so that she can steal, kill, and destroy the Shechemites. And Levi and Simeon responded and said, yes, we yield our heads to you now as instruments for you to use for your thoughts, for your work of stealing, killing, and destroying the Shechemites. Then Satan, the master surgeon, he calls out to Levi and Simeon. He says, hands, I need hands. Take up those swords, kill, destroy the Shechemites. I need hands, steal from the Shechemites. Levi and Simeon respond and say, yes, we yield our hands to you now. Instruments for you to use for your work of stealing, killing, destroying. You know, we see all this develop here in chapter 34. We see so clearly that there are two who are calling for the same instruments, members as instruments. We see that we have a choice. We have a choice to whom we will yield our members as instruments. Are we going to be used as what happened here in Genesis 34, or the yielding to the temptation that Levi and Simeon did? They, 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 they didn't obey, Romans 6.13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then... This should leave us. We say, you know, I'm going to make it my business to yield my body, my members of my body, parts of my, as instruments of righteousness unto God. What Levi and Simeon did in Genesis 34 is so repulsive that Jacob said about them in chapter 49, verse 6, Oh, my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor, be not thou united, for in their anger, he keeps talking about anger, for in their anger they slew a man. In their self-will they dig down a, a wall. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, their wrath, it was cruel. I'll divide them in Jacob, scatter them in Israel. So Jacob called how they yielded themselves as instruments of Hamas, instruments of cruelty, he called that their secret. And Jacob said his soul, it's not gonna come into their secret. It's not gonna be united with them. There was such a strong division at that point in, that Jacob said he would not come into their kahala. He would not come into their assembly, their congregation. Now, I just want you to see this. There's one part of Israel here. Jacob said he would not come into the other part of Israel, the assembly, uh, the congregation of Levi and Simeon. Jacob was saying something very important, uh, Genesis 34, 30, when he said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me. And the Hebrew word there that Jacob used for trouble, akar, it's the same word that Joshua used in Joshua 7.25. Joshua 7.25, when he described Achan, and he said that, you know, when, when he stole that, that gold and took those things, he caused men to die in Israel in the battle. That was a trouble that reached down to the very soul. You know, it's very interesting to see this scene and just to capture this here, what's happening right here, to see Jacob and Levi and Simeon and the rest of the sons. It's very interesting because here's a very small minority. That'd be one person named Jacob. He is in disagreement, total disagreement, with Simeon and Levi down to the core of his soul. 
It's very important to see that one group, that group of one called Jacob. And let's just call him the very small remnant group. And then there's this other small group of two. That'd be two. That's Levi and Simeon. Simeon and Levi. And they are the leaders. They are the leaders that are guilty of these greatest sins. That is the group of the two leaders of Levi and Simeon. Let's just call them the small group of leaders. And then there's this majority of the 10 other sons of Jacob who just follow the leaders into sin, into the plunder. That's the large group of the 10 sons. Let's just call them the large group of the Jewish people. Now, in that scene, we have in symbolic form the situation with the Lord Jesus and the Jewish people. At the time when he was crucified, for example, his whole life, really, the situation was like this, the Jewish people. There was a very small remnant group, just like Jacob, the very, the very small, and this very small remnant group were the Jewish believers, the Jewish disciples. And so there is today a very small remnant Jewish group of believers that follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as there was a small group of leaders of Levi and Simeon who led and influenced the whole majority, so there was a small group of Jewish leaders of chief priests and scribes and priests and so forth that got the people to yell, crucify him, crucify him. And so there is today a very small group of Jewish leaders of rabbis that get the people to say, you cannot be a Jew and a follower of of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot be a, a Christian and a Jew. And just as there was the majority group of the 10 sons who were persuaded by the small group of the Levi and Simeon too, to join in the great sins in this chapter. So there was the majority group of the Jewish people who were persuaded by the leaders, the the priests and the scribes, to yell out to Pilate, crucify him, crucify him. So there is today the majority group of the Jewish people who have been persuaded by the small group of rabbis that no one can be a Jew and believe in Jesus. Now, when the very small remnant group of Jacob said to Levi and Simeon that they had troubled him down to his soul, that was symbolic. That was symbolic of the very small remnant group of Jewish believers today who have no fellowship, no fellowship with both the small majority of the Jewish leaders and really the majority of the the Jewish people, no spiritual fellowship, who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And the very small remnant group represented by just Jacob is what the Bible is referring to in Romans 11. Romans 11, four through five, but what saith the answer of God unto Elijah? I have reserved to myself 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, at this present time, there's also a remnant according to the election of grace. And in Romans 9, six, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. It was just this Jacob. He was really walking with God, or not walking with Satan, I guess I say. So the work of Jewish missions, like Urm, like Israel Restoration, is to seek out the very small remnant group which will come and decide to come over and stand with Jacob by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the perseverance of Jewish missions, like Israel Restoration, is to endure the rejection 
of the majority of the Jewish people who decide to follow the small group of leaders who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jacob cursed the anger of Levi and Simeon, and then Jacob pronounced on Levi and Simeon really a curse of being divided and scattered. And for Levi, they were scattered throughout Israel, but the curse was turned to a blessing because it was the blessing that Levi became the priest. How could God take a murderer and make him a tender priest to help others? That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. And seeing what Levi did in Genesis 34 as a killer and destroyer of life, and then seeing what God made Levi to become priestly builders in Israel, bringers of life to dead sinners through the sacrifices, that's the marvelous grace of God. And that shows that it's not what we were that's important, but it's what God has made us, as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So when we look at Genesis 34, we've got to remember, we've got to remember as we look at Genesis 34, these stones that were on the high priest in the tabernacle. You know, the stones on the breastplate and the stones on the shoulder plate. We've got to remember there was a stone for Levi and there was a stone for Simeon and there was a stone for the 10 other rest of the sons of Jacob that were on the high priest's shoulder. And they were over the high priest's heart, which teaches us Levi and Simeon and all the sons of Jacob who did these terrible things in Genesis 34 are on the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ as the great priest. And the burden, he's carrying the burdens of them on his shoulders. Now, Jacob in his lineage has the first four sons. The first four sons of Jacob, which in order are Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. The birthright passes automatically to the firstborn. And the birthright carries with it certain inheritance and privileges. But the one who receives the birthright is seen as the leader and the representative of the family. So when we look at the family of Jacob, we're looking at the family of the Jewish people. And when we look at the family of Jacob, the question is, who does the birthright of the people of Jacob pass to? The question is, who does the birthright of the Jewish people pass to? This question is asking, who will be the leader and the representative of the Jewish people? The birthright passes to the firstborn unless the firstborn disqualifies himself. Esau was the firstborn, but Esau disqualified himself when he despised his birthright and sold it to Jacob in Genesis 25, 34. Genesis 25, 34. So the birthright then passed on to the next, which was Jacob. Now in Jacob's family, the birthright passed to the firstborn unless the firstborn disqualified himself. Reuben was the firstborn. But Reuben 
had this unholy interest in the sexual realm of his father, which he had, which he shouldn't have been in. And we see that, we see the seed of that in Genesis 30, verse 14. Genesis 30, verse 14, when it was Reuben who brought this aphrodisiac mandrakes to his mother Leah. Now, Reuben was the firstborn, but in the next chapter, we're gonna come to Genesis chapter 35, 22, and see how Reuben disqualified himself as a firstborn when he raped his stepmother, Bilhah. So Jacob pronounced his disqualification because of that in Genesis 49, verse three, Genesis 49, verse three, when he said, Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. See, he's acknowledging he's the firstborn. The excellency of dignity, the excellency of power, but then it changes. Genesis 49, four. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed. Then defilest thou it, he went up to my couch. Since Reuben disqualified himself to receive the birthright of the firstborn, the question was then, well, who's gonna be the leader and representative of the Jewish people if it's not Reuben? Next in line were Simeon and then Levi to get the birthright, to be the leader and the representative of the Jewish people. But because of the cruelty, the Hamas, that they did here in Genesis 34, Simeon and Levi disqualified themselves to receive the birthright. So Jacob pronounced their disqualification in the verses we just read in Genesis 49 when he said, "Cursed, I'm not going near you. Now, we've got the first three sons of Jacob's lineage who had disqualified themselves. Who's next in line to receive the birthright? Who's gonna be the leader and the representative of the Jewish people? The first three sons have disqualified themselves received the, received the birthright. It's Jacob's fourth son. It's Jacob's fourth son who is Judah. Because of self-disqualification of the first three sons, the birthright went to the fourthborn, which is Judah. Judah now is going to be the leader and the representative of the Jewish people. All the Jewish people will be gathered around Judah. Judah will be their king. Judah would hold the king's scepter. Judah will be the king of the Jews, which Jacob pronounced on his deathbed when he said, and this is what he meant when he said in Genesis 49, 8, Genesis 49, 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. The Lord Jesus Christ is from the line of Judah. Jacob spoke of Judah in Genesis 49, 9. He couched as a lion, he was a lion, and so forth. The Lord Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jacob spoke of Judah holding the king's scepter. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. The Lord Jesus Christ from the tribe of Judah in Matthew 2, 2, is he that is born king of the Jews in his birth. And in Matthew 27, 37, he died that way, king of the Jews. And in Acts 1, 16, he is today still king of the Jews. A 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Do you believe God created the heavens and the earth? Then come celebrate Creation Day on Saturday, November 5th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. This is a Christian family festival event with games, rides, contest prizes, fair food, petting zoos, animal shows, super science experiments for kids, plus life-size dinosaurs at our brand-new Dinosaur Gardens exhibit, plus world-renowned speakers, Ray Comfort, Tom Cantor, Eric Hoven, Jay Siegert, and more. Free admission to the museum and all speaking engagements are free for your family and the entire church family. The Creation Earth History Museum is located off Highway 67 and Woodside Avenue North in Santee next to the Santee Drive-In. Bring your family and friends Saturday, November 5th and strengthen your faith at Creation Day, San Diego's Christian Family Festival event. For more information, call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104 or creationsd.org creationsd.org.